Good evening, Pearly Baptist Church. How are you all doing? Good. It's good to see more people at the front. I think last time I was here, everyone was at the back, so what's working away. Yes. Good things are happening here, I can tell. Awesome. Um, does anyone have their Bibles with them? I'm just going to look at Proverbs 11, verse 1 to 10. That's Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1 to 10. And the title I was given was, the, so the ways of the wise. I, I love the, the themes that you guys do in your evening services. Um, and I love that you're looking at the book of Proverbs. I think there's so much to, to learn from this book. Um, and so my kind of title I was given um, was Wisdom and Justice. So we'll see how we get on today. If you're there, just say Amen. Cool, few people were there, brilliant. So uh, we'll start from verse one. It says this, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Riches do not profit in the days of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless keep his ways straight, but the wicked fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. When the wicked dies, his hope will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and the wicked walks in it instead. With his mouth, the godless man will destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. What a word. So um, just for the time I have here today, I'm, I'm gonna say something that's probably gonna make my street cred go down a bit. But Tim said, you're not recording this service, so we should be, should be all right. So yeah, please, I'm about to say something. Don't go out and repeat these words. Um, but I am a huge mummy's boy. Yes, I am a huge mummy's boy. And it's a, it's a statement I didn't like being said when I was younger. But I think growing up, I, I just really appreciate my mum. I don't know if anyone else here appreciates it. I just really appreciate my mum. And I think I didn't really see it when I was younger. But now that I've grown up and I'm seeing her, seeing her life and what she's done for us, I'm just so inspired by her. And I'm just, yeah, I think when she was about 18 years old, she came from Ghana and came to this country and had to make a, a living for herself. She, she worked two jobs, um, so we hardly saw her during the week, just to make sure me and my siblings had food on the table and had clothes to wear and so on. And she was really sacrificial, still is, very sacrificial. Um, and I think when you, when you get older, I think you begin to appreciate your parents uh, even more. I think especially when you start paying bills is when you begin to, <laughs> to realize that they've, they've done so much for us. And, and my mom uh, was absolutely incredible and still is very incredible. Uh, but there's something that she, she did that I, I really appreciate her for. You're going to think it's really obvious, but... I really appreciate her for, and it was that she took time to teach me and my siblings 
what was right and what was wrong. It sounds obvious that every parent does this, but actually this is not the case in every household. But she took time to teach us that there was a, there was a right way to live and there was a wrong way to live. There was a right way to treat people and there's a wrong way to treat people. There's a right way to talk and there's a wrong way to talk. She even taught us that there was a right way to dress and a wrong way to dress. But she wasn't legalistic. She didn't have a set of rules that we had to follow religiously. But she just took value and, and taught us that you, know, you can live right. There is a right way for you to live in this world that is full of chaos. So from a very young age, we heard the word holiness. I understood what holiness was at a very young age. So this meant my mom was very strict. I'm not, I'm not sure if anyone else had strict parents, but my mom was very strict. And at times she would make a big deal out of things that I, I felt wasn't really too serious. I'll say a lie here and there, it wasn't too bad. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I'll, she'll tell me to do something, I wouldn't do it. But she'll make it such a big deal when we were dishonest. And later on, as I grew older, I realized that honesty and integrity was such a big deal for my mom. And she knew that honesty and integrity wasn't just going to be good qualities that we just keep in the house, but it would be very beneficial for us everywhere we went. And that's the reason why my mom sat us down many times and taught us that there was a right way to live. And she didn't want us just to be good kids at home that would cause her no worries or no problems. But she understood if she teaches us right, the right way to live, we can go and be good children everywhere we went, including school and church, our friend's house, when we played outside. And she used to say something to us, especially when we were going to church. She used to say to us, remember you are representing me. Remember you're representing me. In other words, do not go and be silly because you're going to embarrass me. So my mom was very strict, but she taught us what was right and what was wrong. So when I became a Christian, this whole idea about I'm not just a Christian at church or within my household, but actually I'm a Christian everywhere I go. And that God hasn't called me to, to part-time holiness I could be holy in the church and be holy around Christians, but I'm a different person when I'm at school or at the gym or wherever I find myself. And I think this is something that Christians really need to, to wrestle with. And I've seen how our behavior as Christians affects the way the world sees Christianity. And I've seen this particularly when I'm on the streets evangelizing. There are many people who I've come across who don't actually have a problem with Christianity or problem with, with Jesus. But the problem they have is with the Christians they have encountered. And these are not Christians, the lovely Christians here today in the church because they don't go to church. But these are Christians that they've met in the world. Christians that they've met at their work or at the gym or at the market or at school. These are Christians that they've met in the world. People who say that they're Christians but their actions says otherwise. And so they've experienced Christians who are dishonest constantly and cheat people and are prideful and use their mouths to say terrible things and, and don't really practice justice. They've seen Christians do these things. And because of this, they want nothing to do with Christianity. And I think it's quite sad because it kind of shows at times we don't represent God well. 
And what I find interesting, I'm not sure if you've had this experience before, it seems like the, the world, non-Christians, they, they kind of have, have an idea of what Christians should be like and how Christians should behave. I'm not saying we get our theology from, from the world, but I'm saying they, they kind of have a rough idea of how Christians should be like. So if you um, are dishonest and are prideful and are completely saying, doing things that are completely opposite to what the Bible says, you often hear non-Christians say to you, aren't you meant to be a Christian? And I've, I've had that said to me so many times. Aren't you meant to be a Christian? And when I hear those statements, it probably means that I'm not being a good witness. So this is important. And so when I was looking at this passage we're going to come to at the moment, just looking through scripture, I just see the importance of being godly people. But not just godly people in a nice, lovely church building, but godly people everywhere we go. And we see with Jesus and his disciples, he made it clear that they're not just disciples by title. But through their behavior, through their love for one another, the world will know that they are disciples of Jesus. So, so there is a way that Christians are meant to live. And that's why God takes a lot of time to explain to his children in a book of, um, well, all through the Bible, particularly the people of Israel, that actually there's a right way to live and there's a wrong way to live. And God speaks a lot about holiness. That word is used consistently throughout scripture. And God doesn't want them just to be holy within this small sect of people, but through their holiness, they were going to be a witness to the rest of the nations. So God didn't create a system where people are just holy when they come to the temple, but he wants them to be holy everywhere they go. He doesn't want to create a system where people come to this temple and they leave and, and live life however they want to live. And, and I believe this is still the case for us today. We're not just called to be holy people in this lovely church building. And I think sometimes we can have this mindset that in this church building, this is where holy things take place. But we know through scripture that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So everywhere we go, we can be holy. Amen? Now, thinking about this passage and everything I've said really helps us to understand what's going on in Proverbs chapter 11. I don't have time to go verse by verse um, with, with everything that's been said here, but I just want to look at verse 1 because it connects to what I'm speaking about with, with wisdom and justice. But we see in Proverbs chapter 11, Solomon the writer, he's highlighting how God's people are meant to behave. And he wants us to, to kind of recognize that that living for, for God or living righteous doesn't just benefit God, but it benefits us as well. And so we see in this passage, Solomon writes about the righteous people and all the blessings that come upon those who seek to be righteous. But he also speaks about those who choose not to be righteous and the destruction and consequences that come on these two, on, the, on these people as well. And so the two main themes that we see in this, in this book particularly in this chapter, is honesty and integrity. But today, I just want to look at verse 1. I think there's a lot to, to learn just from this uh, one verse uh, when it comes to justice and wisdom, or wisdom and justice, however you want to say it. So let's look at what verse 1 says. It says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. There is a lot going on in this one verse. 
A false balance is an ab abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. This verse is all about justice and how God's people must seek to be just in all their daily dealings. Not just just within themselves or just within the temple, but just in all their daily dealings. So in those days when someone wanted to buy a, a pound of flour, um, they would go to a shop or someone who sells flour and they would measure the flour to see whether they're buying the right amount. So in those days, it was very easy for people to scam others. Someone would come and want to buy a pound of flour and they would measure it and put a false balance on the scale, making people think that they're buying a pound of flour when they're actually not. And this was unjust, this was unfair, and people who did this had no integrity. And this is something that God has already communicated to the people of Israel. This is a practice he doesn't like. We look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 35 to 36, which says this, you shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of, in measures of length or weight or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weight, a just ephod, and a just hymn. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So God has made it very clear that this kind of scamming people, this, this false perception, he doesn't like. It's unjust. And to show how much God hates this kind of practice, Solomon says this is an abomination to the Lord. You know when you read the book of Leviticus, there are particular sins that is connected to abomination, and these are like serious sins. But here, for some reason, God says that this unjust practice is an abomination to him. And so we have to ask the question, why? Why is this such a big deal to God? And I'm sure the people who were scamming people didn't think that this was such a serious sin. They're not murderous. They're not adulterous. But, you know, they can justify themselves. I mean, my family needs to eat. It's tough times. And this probably became a habit where people were living this kind of lifestyle where they were scamming people. And it's likely that people even went to the temple and prayed to God and left the temple and continued scamming people. They didn't see this as a, a big issue. But why was this such a big deal to God? It's because it doesn't represent who God is. Our God is a just God. He's a fair God. He doesn't trick people. And he wants his people to do the same. And I love how this message of justice doesn't just stay in this one verse. We see it throughout scripture. It's mentioned again in Proverbs chapter 16. The prophets mention this as well. And we see Jesus speaking a lot on justice as well. Because God takes delight. God has delight in his people who are just. But thinking about this for us today, when we hear the word justice, what, what kind of comes to mind? And I think over the last two years, when we look at this passage, we may be thinking about the, the obvious things that the church needs to continue to be engaged with. With racism and with stuff with equality. And I believe the church needs to challenge these um, these unjust ways in our world today. But looking at this passage, it seems like Solomon is highlighting an unjust practice that is not so obvious. The ones that have become a habit where 
we don't see that we're being unjust. We don't think it's that serious. And so a false balance in our context today, a false balance is essentially all manner of unjust or fraudulent practices in dealing with any person. Just think about that for a moment. A false balance is essentially all manner of unjust and fraudulent practices in dealing with any person. So we may think, ah, we're not racist. We're not a racist church. Or we're trying to challenge these things. Or we're a church all about equality. But maybe we're being unjust in other areas. Areas that we don't think such a big deal to God. So maybe this looks like, for us today, some unjust practices that we do at work. Calling in sick when we're not actually sick. Or maybe adding more hours to the timesheet. Or maybe it's unjust practices in our businesses that we run. Avoiding taxes somehow or getting people to pay more than they should for a service. Or this may look like scamming in a Tesco's aisle, self-checkout. Scanning a pair but actually putting an iPad in your bag or whatever. I think I heard a policeman do that once with, with donuts. Or maybe taking advantage of someone because of their lack of knowledge. I know that happens quite a lot. Saying that you've been paid for something, or you receive something that you haven't paid for. One of the things I've seen during lockdown quite a lot is these delivery drivers who just kind of throw your parcels um, at the door and we complain that actually we didn't receive the parcel at all, but we did. I know many people in, in my, even in my household, God forgive us, who's done this. Or maybe it means given a false expression of who you are. So we may not think that these things are that serious and it becomes a lifestyle, becomes a habit. And we feel like, yeah, we're, we're, we're checked, we've got tick lists on, on the other big issues. But we see that actually a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. This is serious to God because it doesn't represent who he is. And throughout this chapter, Solomon basically gives us a picture of those who are righteous and the blessings that come upon those people who seek to be righteous and those who are not and the consequences that fall on them. So in conclusion, what am I trying to say for us? What, what do I believe that this passage is teaching us today? I believe as God's people, we are called to be righteous. We're called to be holy people, but not just in the church, not just here at Pearly Baptist Church. But when you step outside, you're called to be just, you're called to be holy. And I think, I don't know, I just think this is such an important aspect. I've come across many good, loving Christians who are in the church, but when they step out, it's a whole different story. I want to challenge us today to, to really check our hearts, looking at being a, a great witness to God everywhere we go. Amen? Amen. Should I pray? Or Let me pray. So, so Lord, Lord God, we just thank you for this time, Lord. I, I really do thank you for this church and for all that you're doing in this church, Lord. And I just thank you for your people here today. And I, I just pray for myself as well, Lord. Help us to really search our hearts. 
Maybe there are unjust practices that we've been committing and, and not really thinking that they're that serious, not really thinking that they bother you, Lord. But help us to, to be people who seek holiness in, in everything that we do. Help us to be people who are just, not just with the major issues that are going on in our world today that we need to tackle, but with being just in our interactions with the everyday people. So God, challenge us today, Lord, as we reflect on your word. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.